The reading is from Joshua chapter 14, verse 1 to 15. Now these are the areas the Israelites received as an inheritance in the land of Canaan, which is Eleazar the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the heads of the tribal clans of Israel allotted to them. Their inheritances were assigned by lot to the nine and a half tribes as the Lord had commanded through Moses. Moses had granted the two and a half tribes their inheritance east of the Jordan, but had not granted the Levites an inheritance among the rest. For Joseph's descendants had become two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. The Levites received no share of the land, but only towns to live in, with pasture lands for their flocks and herds. So the Israelites divided the land, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me? I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report, according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites, who went up with me, made the hearts of the people sick, sink. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he has said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and the cities were large and fortified. But, the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land had rest from war. Now, what is your faith? How strong is your faith? How would you describe faith to someone else? We could turn, of course, to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 and get a a working definition of what our faith is, where it says faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Now, while that might prove a good starting point for a conversation about faith, that verse seems to raise, in my mind, two further questions. If I'm asking what is faith, and I'm told it's something to do with confidence and assurance, the question that arises then, what is this confidence? Or what is this assurance? So I'm not really much further on in my quest to give me a real feel for what faith is. We sort of know what it is. It's just very hard to describe. It's much easier to think 
about what faith does rather than what faith is. So this morning we're going to explore what faith does and we're going to look at what faith does in an example of faith that we find in a particular person that we've read off this morning. We're going to consider Caleb and what faith did in his life. So that faith in Caleb can serve as an example for us to help us understand what faith can do in our lives. Now let us just remind ourselves who Caleb is. In the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus, we read that the people of God who had been in Egypt for around 400 years, that they had been brought out of Egypt under the leadership of Moses. God has promised that he would bring that nation back to the promised land. And as Moses approached the promised land, he sent 12 spies to have a look at the land. Ten of those spies came back with a message about the size and the number of the people and that message that the spy, the ten spies brought back scared the life out of the children of Israel. But two of the spies came back with a positive report that spoke about the greatness of the land spoke of a land flowing with milk and honey, spoke of a land that provided all the great things that God had promised it would. Those two spies were named Joshua and Caleb. When the people doubted God, God sent them wandering in the wilderness for 40 years <clears throat> so that every single person who left Egypt, they died in the wilderness. Of course, they had children. But only two of the people who left Egypt was permitted by God to go into the promised land. And those two people were Caleb and Joshua. Every single person who had left Egypt died over that 40-year period and of course, it was the second generation, the, the children that had been born in the wilderness, those were the people that were led by Joshua into the land to conquer the land. But we're going to think, we've seen a lot about Joshua over these last few weeks. We're going to think now about Caleb because he hasn't been mentioned much so far in the book. We followed the stories and we've seen how Joshua observed that the children of, of Israel, they had entered the land and captured the land. We turned a corner of the story beginning of chapter 13 because now the emphasis is not so much on conquering the land, but it is now an emphasis on possessing the land. That we take hold of the inheritance that God has given us and we make that inheritance ours. What does it mean to possess the land? 
It sounds very exciting, and when you draw a parallel with possessing the salvation that God has given us, that sounds even more exciting. But what does it really mean in practice? How can I possess my salvation? How can I possess more of my salvation? You say, could you give us an example? It's almost as if the people of God back in Joshua's time were also in need of an example. And they are given an example in chapter 14. Chapter 14 seems to say, possess the land just the way that Caleb did. So let's look at Caleb, see what he did, and see how he did it. Who is he? Well, we remember 45 years ago, he was the co-author of this minority spy report. But he's been, what has he been up to all these years? We'll see that in a moment. All these years, without a mention, Caleb has been faithful. He sort of got mentioned 45 years ago, and then we've forgotten all about him as we were taken up with the exploits of Joshua. Caleb, if you like, is a bit like Mrs. Smith. She lived near Elephant and Castle in London towards the end of the 19th century, a great woman of God. What were her greatest achievements? Faithfulness. She lived a godly life. She raised four children. She witnessed to her neighbors. And through the ministry of the likes of Mrs. Smith and the hundreds of others just like her, and we don't know them either, friends and neighbor were brought along under the sound of the gospel. And because of the work of the likes of Mrs. Smith, who none of us know because I just invented her name, But through faithful people like that, the preacher had people under his ministry to preach to. And perhaps if it hadn't have been for the likes of Mrs. Smith and others like her, we might have never have gotten to hear about C.H. Spurgeon. You see, you can have a prince of preachers, but if you have no congregation... Who are you going to preach to? But faithful people, witnessing to neighbors, bringing them along under the sound of the gospel, then the Lord blesses and overrules in many cases in the quality of the preaching in order that souls are saved. Well, the Mrs. Smith of this passage is Caleb because we hear so very little about him. But Caleb is a a real character who existed back then and he exists today in heaven. He got on with the work of being faithful and now as the people need an example of what it means to possess the land, Caleb now gets a mention. But before we get to Caleb, there is some unfinished business in verses 1 to 5. The land west of the Jordan 
was allotted to the majority of the tribes. That means that there were two and a half tribes east of the Jordan. And they had been given their land as their inheritance. We also have something very important happening here in verse 5. So the Israelites divided the land. How? Just as the Lord had commanded. This is a note about obedience. I know we won't give this the same attention attention as the explosive dynamic events of the battles. But we need to remember that no command of the Lord's is ever trivial. And therefore all obedience and faithfulness is both necessary and significant. So let's come now to Caleb and we, we'll address Caleb in, uh, by referring to five different aspects of his, of, his, of his faith. First of all, his response of faith. How did he respond? We're trying to find an example of what faith does because we're struggling a little bit to define what faith is. So what does it do? We see the response of faith. We see that faith acts as an anchor in his life. We see the perspective of faith. The energy that comes from the faith that Caleb has. And the model of faith that he actually sets for us. The response of faith is this. That Caleb followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Caleb remembers the events of the twelve spies at at Kadesh Barnea 45 years ago when Moses sent the spies into the land. In verse 8 he says, But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt. I, however, I followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. That's how he served. That's the response of faith. With a whole heart. With my mind, my strength, my heart. I have followed the Lord. At the end of verse 8. You see he followed God wholeheartedly. At the end of verse 9. Because you have followed the the Lord my God wholeheartedly. The end of verse 14. He followed the Lord the God of Israel wholeheartedly. If we are told three times in the one passage that Caleb followed the Lord wholeheartedly, then that must be pretty important for us to get. It has to be significant to the whole meaning of the passage. And it must be important in Caleb as an example of how the people should possess the land. And it must be pretty important to us as we seek to possess the inheritance that God has given us. As we seek to possess the salvation that God has given us in Christ, we follow the Lord wholeheartedly. And that at times could be uncomfortable. That at times 
may take more energy than we want to give it. But here is the example. What does faith do? Faith follows the Lord wholeheartedly. That is the response of faith. That is the devotion of faith. I love the Lord because He heard my voice. I love the Lord because He hears my prayer. And we learn to love Him and we learn to be devoted to Him. And that is the devotion of faith to wholeheartedly serve the Lord. To take possession of the inheritance that the Lord our God has given us and to serve Him wholeheartedly all the days of our lives. But what does that mean? Well, we have different ways of asking that question. Sometimes we say, what is it that makes a person tick? We had a man come to our home on a number of occasions, and conversation with him was difficult. It was always matter-of-fact. And it was hard to get a conversation going. And if you got it going, it was hard to maintain it. He was in my study and he happened to notice that I had six model cars on my shelves. Most of them were E-type Jags. And then on further inspection, he saw a chart of all the Jags that had ever been made. He had his own classic car. I found out that he went to rallies on the continent and I got a blow-by-blow account of all the antics that he had been up to over the last five years. What are we saying? He was wholeheartedly into classic cars. Is my heart wholeheartedly into the Lord. We knew, or I found out what makes him tick. I knew what I had to talk about if I wanted a conversation to get going. Because what he was into, or what was into him, were were his classic cars. He fed on it. He went to garages that sell cars He bought books and classic car magazines. He joined a club of classic car enthusiasts. And as he got into his hobby, his hobby got into him. As we get into the Lord, the Lord gets into us. And we follow him wholeheartedly. If you ever... um, meet a young lady who has just got engaged. She's coming in, happens to be coming into the church. She comes in hand first and you can see the light reflecting off the little diamond as it sparkles. You can see the beam over her face and she wants to tell you the news and of course you delight in her news. She's got engaged She has something in her heart that she wants to share. And it's a good thing to share. But what about us? When we come 
and meet with others? Are we wholeheartedly serving the Lord? If we are, we'll talk about him. If we are, we'll talk about his word. Now that doesn't mean that every single conversation has got to be about the Lord. There's times I enjoy talks about classic cars and talks about rugby. Especially if Ireland win, I will talk about rugby at length. But when we come to our desire for the Lord, how much do we share that? Because if we're wholeheartedly into the Lord, He is into us. And we can't help ourselves but tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. The response of faith is required. In Caleb's case, his response was to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. He believed the promises of God. Twelve men went in to spy. All the ten of them could see were the problems. What Joshua and Caleb could do, because they believed God, they could see the opportunities. They could see the harvest. They could see much that needed to be possessed. While others saw problems and obstacles, by the eye of faith, Caleb saw a land flowing with milk and honey. He saw fruit. He saw produce. He saw opportunity. He saw opportunities for him to be able to serve the Lord. A land that was just the way that the Lord had described it. And he believed God. Possessing the salvation that God has given us is seeing and appreciating the many promises that God has given to us in his word. How often we learn to see and count the problems. Learn to see and count the difficulties. Learn to identify the trials and we fail to see the blessings that God has given us in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's just a mindset that we get ourselves into. We're like the ten spies. You wouldn't believe the, the problem we're going to have overcoming these mighty cities. That's what the ten spies saw. But Caleb could see that God has promised and he believed God and he had courage in the Lord. When all the others saw the enemy and the size of the enemy, Caleb reported the size of the blessings. I can hear the others kicking in. Caleb, we have to be realistic, you know. This super spiritual view that you have doesn't take into account the real flesh and blood fighting men that we are going to have to deal with. Caleb, you have got to get into the real world. He was in the real world. He was in God's world. He was seeing the blessings. He was believing the promises. And faith in him was giving him courage. God was real because Caleb knew God. 
when you've walked with the Lord the way Caleb had walked with the Lord, he's not afraid to be courageous. He's not afraid to venture out in faith. And that's what we need to learn as we possess the salvation that God has given us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Learning to know so that we can learn to trust God. Now, I've been a Christian for quite a number of years. At times, I can go back and tell you about times when I have trusted God. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to trust Him tomorrow. I could actually doubt Him tomorrow. And that's why I need to be constantly reassured from God's Word. Because taking my eye off him for a moment will cause my heart to melt, my heart to sink. The response of fear here is to serve the Lord wholeheartedly. To have courage in the Lord. And also at times a willingness to stand alone. Joshua and Caleb were in the minority. The other ten were vocal in what they were saying. The other ten would have drowned out the voices of Joshua and Cable. But faith in Cable enabled him to stand alone. When he had to go against the majority, he and Joshua sought to encourage the people of God. And do you know what? Joshua, Caleb, and God is a majority. It is always a majority. Because Caleb had that willingness to stand alone. Many times you may have to stand alone if you want to stand for the Lord. Maybe in the office, in the staff room, on the board of governors. Not only will you stand alone, but people will point out to you that you are alone. People will say to you, in this day and age, nobody believes that. But they're wrong. People who were spokespeople for the Church of England in recent weeks have said that they need to move with the times. You don't. You need to move with the Word of God. We may retract as a church to half a percent of the population in this nation. But no matter how small we become, the church with Christ is always a majority. And we need to have the courage to stand alone. And there are more and more challenges facing us as Christians where we have to say no to moral issues that are contrary to the Word of God because it's not progressive to disobey the Word of God. It's not healthy, not for your mental health, not for your physical health. You cannot be wiser than God. You cannot find a better way to live than the way that God has ordained and shown us in His Word. We are designed... To be in fellowship with God. We are designed to be obedient to God. And when we are disobedient, 
when we go our own way, when we think that we have a better way, a more progressive way, a more liberal way, a more tolerant way, if it is not according to God's word, it is not good for us. It is not helpful. Secondly, as we think about what faith does in Caleb's life, it forms an anchor, something solid. The anchor of faith is seen in the conversation that Caleb has with Joshua. As he claims his inheritance, he does not refer to how he feels. He does not refer to his devotion, nor does he refer to his faith or his faithfulness. He refers back to the Word of God. That's the anchor. The word that the Lord had spoken in verse 6. He said, you know what the Lord said to Moses. Verse 9, so on the day Moses swore to me. Verse uh, verse. 10, now then, just as the Lord promised. Again in verse 10, now he said this to Moses. And verse 12, now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. I want all that the Lord has promised. Every promise that God has made, I I am claiming that just as God has promised. Five times Caleb hammers this point home. His request is for nothing more than what the Lord had promised. True faith always pleads God's promises. Faith anchors itself in the Word of God. There can be no other foundation for faith. No other anchor other than the Word of God. As you try to find out what God's will is for your life, go to the Word of God. Do not depend upon a dream. Do not depend upon a vision. Do not depend upon someone else's dream or someone else's vision. But go back to the anchor of the Word of God and see what God says in His Word. This is the main means that God has for communicating His will to His people. That is through the Word of God. And five times here, Caleb goes back and says, Just as God promised, just as God said through Moses, Give me what God has promised. Caleb's faith was in God. We can make the mistake of placing faith in faith. Faith is not the object of our faith. God is the object of our faith. We follow him. Here is the example for the people to follow. Caleb is a man who depends upon the Word of God and takes the promises that God has given and he makes them his own. Caleb takes the promises of God and he turns them into into prayers and he pleads them back to God. 
I must not trust in how spiritual I feel. I must not trust in how big I think my faith is. But I must put my faith in all that God has said. Thirdly, we have Caleb's perspective of faith. Now then, verse 10, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out and to battle now as I was then. Well done, Caleb. Some of us are not that strong today as we were 10 years ago. But here, when you look at his faith, his faith is strong. It is vigorous. It hasn't grown weak with the years. It hasn't had side effects because of medication. Faith in him is strong because that faith is centered in God. So my faith is not in my physical well-being or the ability that I have to work long hours. Faith centered in God. And that gives us a new perspective. We see things differently. We see things from the perspective of faith. These 45 years have been tough for Caleb. He's been out fighting battles. But God was with him. God has kept him alive, he says, for these 45 years. God gave him a promise. God has kept that promise for him. And he has kept Caleb for that promise. God has given us an inheritance in heaven that will never spoil or fade. Because we have trusted in Jesus Christ as our Savior, God has forgiven us for our sins. And God, as a blessing, has given us inheritance in heaven. He's keeping that inheritance for us. And he's keeping us for that inheritance. You see, if you think that there's a great prize for you down the road, and you begin to think, but will I make it? When it comes to the life of faith, of course you'll make it. Because our faith is in God, and it is God who has promised, and it is God who, is keep, who keeps us. Also, as we look at Caleb, we see the energy that comes from faith. You know, if you feel that it's hopeless, you can very quickly give in. Many people have actually died because they've given up hope. They don't hold on. But here, Caleb, he says, I'm just as vigorous to go out 
to battle now as I was back then. After all that he has been through, he will still need energy to carry on the task of possessing the land because there were still further enemies to be defeated. Where is this old age pensioner getting the energy? He has a vivid recollection of the Lord's goodness and mercy in the past. Now what is interesting is that the very hill country where the Anakim lived, the giants that scared the people, they lived in the very territory that is the inheritance that God has given to Caleb. You can look up the the book of Numbers 13 and see the style with which God operates. There were two ways of looking at this. Just like the shoe salesman who went to a foreign country. He telegrammed back home for the company to send him money to get him home. He said, nobody here wears any shoes. It's useless. Another salesman went out to the same country and telegrammed back and said, send all the shoes that you can. There's nobody here wearing shoes and we can sell a pair to every person. A different perspective on the same situation. When we view things from God's perspective, we get the energy of faith because we realize that our situation is not hopeless because God is with us. And finally, we have that model of faith. We'll have to refer back to this chapter as we look at the next few chapters because we're going to see how some people failed to follow the model of faith. The Lord is seeking to raise up disciples that will follow the pattern that Caleb has established for us. Because we too need to walk by faith. And devote ourselves wholeheartedly to serving the Lord. What is faith? Well, it's just difficult to define. What does faith do? Well, we've seen what faith does in the life of Caleb. And we can follow that example so that we become people of faith and wholeheartedly serve the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we bow before you and we thank you for the example of faith that we have in this chapter. Lord, it is an example that's difficult to follow, but we thank you that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. At the end of the day, Lord, it is not the size of our faith, but the incredible size of a great and mighty God and a Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.